Welcome to DP City Church Podcast. Connect, grow, serve. Strangers, which were there, spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear something new. We are not talking about something new. None of what we're going to talk about is new. It's all old. It's ancient. It may be new to us. Does that make sense? They were looking for something new. Why, why were they looking for something new? Because they were bored. And what they could have known, they didn't know, and they were bored with what they did know because they wouldn't listen to what they could have heard and understood. Let's translate that to us today. What we're going to look at when we go back to Noah in that time, when we look at we go back and we study those things because they relate to us today. Things of old show us things of new. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Okay, does that make sense? So when people go, well, wait a minute, man, you're in the Old Testament and you're going through all this stuff, and all, what does that have to do with us? It has everything to do with us when you begin to look at it and you begin to see it. So in the process, learning from new things, uh, and that's kind of what we're at after. So we're not going to be speculating, okay? We can look into, but we're not going to speculate. We want to look at biblical facts tonight. Now, I'm not saying you can't look into Scripture and look at things and go, I wonder what that means, and then start speculating. I'm not saying you can never speculate. Tonight, we're not going to speculate. We're going to deal with some facts. And when you begin to see these facts, you begin to see how viable the Bible is from Genesis to maps. And you're going to see that these things are tied together for us to know. So many Christians, not saying you, will read the New Testament, and they're voracious reading the New Testament. They won't read the Old. And if they do read the Old, they read it and they go, okay, I served my, served my tour of duty, okay? I read it. I'm a good boy or a good girl, okay? But to study it and understand, tonight we're going to kind of delve into that a little bit, okay? So we live in an age of information and information glut, okay? But the prevailing, uh, prevailing learning is not attached to kingdom purposes. People are hungry for something new, aren't they? That's what we're doing, you know. How are we going to live on Mars? And you know, what can we do about this? And what about science and all that kind of stuff? But nobody's hungry for old, because it's in the ancient and the old you find real truth that puts new truth into perspective. Does that make sense? Okay. So watch this. We live in an age of information glut. Science has become God, and the Bible is a fairy tale. Okay? And so in the process, the stories in the Bible are considered superstition. If we can begin to prove some things by fact, you have to open up your mind that there are other things in the Bible that are fact. Does that make sense? So in other words, if I find some truth that is provable to you out of the Old Testament, would you be willing to accept that not part of it but all of it is true. Right? Okay, so I'm not saying you just go in and go, oh, you're blindly. It's just you begin to look at truth, things that are provable. 
Now, none of the things are provable in the Old Testament. We're going to try to do that tonight. So, we live in this information glut where we're talking about, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's kind of crazy to imagine <laughs> in a in, uh, hundred years, we've gone from horse and buggy to, um, to talking about setting up a settlement on Mars, okay? And, and, and right now, Voyager, the Voyager satellite, I don't, what was that, 30 years ago, I think? I think the Voyager was not quite 30 years ago. The Voyager, Voyager satellite is already one billion miles into the universe, still traveling, I forget at what speed. And it's still functioning on less technology than in my Apple Watch. That's what it's doing. And it's going and it's going and it's going and they're waiting for it to bump into something. And they're kind of waiting for them to bump into the edge of creation. How many of you know there ain't no edge? <laughs> okay. Okay, so you understand that um, God saw technology coming at this, you know, the Lord knew what was coming, and I'll show you this tonight because he, he intervened in that issue, but it's mind-boggling to think that God saw what was coming, sees not only technology that's going on today, knew about it ahead of time. How many of you believe that? Okay. A lot of Christians don't believe that. Get this about God. He's Alpha and He's Omega. He has no beginning and no end. He's as far as you can go that end, and as far as you can go that end, and there is no end on either end. Okay? Let that fry your gears here for a minute, okay? There's no beginning and no end. He didn't start. He's not going to finish. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Okay. It's, where's the excedrin? Here we go. Okay. So God knows not only what has happened, but what will. Can we agree with that? Yeah. Say, well, wait a minute. If he knows why didn't he know I was going to get in that accident? Of course, but you have free will. Yeah. You're the one that decided to go out. Oh, never mind. Okay. Um, <laughs> so let's just not indict God. Things, bad things happen to good people. Can we all understand that? Yeah. Down the road, if we keep the edge classes going, we'll deal with that subject. Why do bad things happen to good people? Because there's a biblical answer for that. But anyway, so when we read about the flood of Noah, the boat, and uh, two of every kind, it's hard to imagine. It's like, how did he go get them? It's kind of like God went, come on, guys. Giraffes, elephants, everybody, come on. Okay, God sends them there. Now, we believe, you believe in that, right? Okay, so the boat had two of every kind, and after the Tower of Babel, after the, after the ark, Noah lands. His sons, his family, are on the ark. They repopulate the earth. So every one of us are traceable to everybody that was on the ark. Got it? And we're traceable back to Adam and Eve because... Are you with me? Why is it important that we believe that everything that was with Adam and Eve was on the ark 
Why? Oh, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm leaking. I'm ahead of time. Okay, so we, um, oh, jeez, okay. Sorry, wait a minute. I got to make, so- make sure I don't back myself into a corner here <laughs> until you start asking questions. Okay, so um, uh, let's see. They were, okay, so what happens, what happens when Noah lands on the ark and we know certain things happened between Noah and his sons as they repopulate the earth, okay? And uh, they, when Noah landed with his family, there were, there were no blocks on spiritual issues, Okay? While the earth is cleansed of all human evil, evil is not. Evil influence was available on the ark. Okay, but why? Because where evil is spiritual and the ark had people on the ark and they all had free wills. Are you with me? That makes sense? So that means the earth isn't going to be perfect and clean when Noah gets off the ark. Because the cleansing of the earth was a physical cleansing and in a way a spiritual cleansing because the people were living evil lives. So it's a reboot. Can we agree to that? It's a reboot. So Genesis eleven six 6, it says this, And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this they begin to do, and now nothing, listen to what it says, nothing can be restrained from them which they can imagine. So in other words, on the ark was the potential of evil. And there was anything they wanted to imagine they could do. Now, what are the limitations on that imagination? Technology. Are you with me? In other words, they can imagine it, they can do it. Okay? So we have to ask the question, why was it that God did the ark? Because if he didn't clean the earth off totally and he left something on the ark, why did he remove it? Okay? At first, it's difficult to imagine that a loving God is so upset about a building, which was the Tower of Babel. If you remember, out of the sons of Noah, and we won't get through, we won't go to the details, but if you'll remember, um, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, I forget exactly which one, but Shem, Ham, and Japheth were his sons, and something happened one night when Noah got drunk. Okay, ham, no, steak. Um, uh, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, something happens. And something happens to Noah. We don't know exactly what that is, okay? But we know that his sons split up. And when they split up, they split up across the earth, and there was nothing they couldn't do if they imagined it. And so Genesis 6, 5 says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and and every imagination of their thoughts and of their hearts was only evil continually. Now, this is speculation. 
Some people agree with it, some people don't. That's okay, that's perfectly fine. We're not here to argue this issue, just for your consideration. We don't know what one of the boys did to Noah that night when he was drunk in the tent. All we know is the boys split out and they covered across, they went across the earth, and I'll get down into this, and they repopulated the earth. And the one that repopulated what we call Canaan land, which would become the promised land, was Ham. And the consideration is, for speculation only, that they sodomized their father. They sodomized their father. Now that's pure speculation, and it doesn't prove anything other than Ham founded Canaan, and Canaan was where Sodom and Gomorrah was. And we know Sodom and Gomorrah was known for its homosexuality. And so we begin to see that something spiritual came through on the ark in the generations. Now, this is clear evidence that something was going on that related as well to technology. In other words, why is God upset about a Tower of Babel? I mean, how many have seen the docu documentaries where they I think they actually have found the actual foundation of the Tower of Babel? It wasn't that tall <laughs> by our standards. You know, we, we have the Empire State Building is taller than it was. So why did God look at the Tower of Babel and say, I'm going to clean house again? Why did he do Because the, there was an evil presence that was releasing, which one, listen to what I'm going to say, releasing technology. Think about it now, okay? Because when, they, when you go back and you look at the, the pyramids and the pyramids are created and you see the Baalbek, how many of you know what the Baalbek stone is? Baalbek stone, what is it, a thousand tons? How did they transport a thousand tons? ton rock that they carved, much less how when they carved it like this and carved it like this, how did they get down here and cut it from the rock? You know, you got to ask yourself some serious questions. So we know that the ancient Mesopotamians had, had a Baghdad battery. Have you, ever, have you ever seen the Baghdad battery? I don't, immediate, uh, did I give you a Baghdad battery? I didn't. I did? Is that, he's giving me sign language. Oh, there it is, Baghdad battery. That's a battery back around the Tower of Babel time. It's called the Baghdad battery. It's a battery. They already had technology in their mind. What? Wait a minute. You're talking, they had, a, they created a battery and they actually created a light. Give me the next image, uh, if you would, on the, um, on the wall in the pyramid. Look at this. See that? <laughs> that, was a, that was a type of light. You have to ask yourself a question. When they built the pyramids and they were inside carving the tunnels in the dark and there's no soot on the walls. Ah, well, that'll fry your batteries. Okay. There's no soot on the walls. I can't find any, I'm not saying that they didn't use torches, but we know that there was something in terms of technology that God was saying, I'm going to stop it right here. Does that make sense? Okay, so let's look backwards to Noah and the ark. 
because Noah had the principles of engineering and modern engineering that, that today, that when they look at the ark, and oh, where's, where's the ark at that they re, rebuilt? There's one here in some place. Okay, it's, it's uh, supposed to be an authentic representation. You have to ask yourself a question. Why is it that modern-day shipbuilders have looked at the measurements on Noah's Ark as in the Bible and say they're absolutely engineering terms, absolutely correct and viable? How could Noah, and they, they didn't have the technology we have, unless technology was coming from the dark side. The dark side, okay? And so now you begin to ask yourself a question. Could that be why God said, I'm done with this, we're going to flood the joint and clean it out? Because there's no limit to what man can do if he sets his mind to it. Isn't that what God said? There's no limit to what man can do. So here's the issue. Consider this. I'm kind of running ahead of myself because I want to give you enough time to have such fun with you last week and did the question and answer period. So when we, when we think about whether it's Shem, Ham, and Japheth and whatever all that stuff was, we know that the sons of Noah brought on the ark with Noah a certain technology that God built the Tower of Babel and when Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, is it possible? Pure speculation. I'm not declaring absolute. I'm just saying pure speculation. Is it possible that it was technology that God was stopping? And why? Why would God say, I don't want, I don't want them to have computers right now. I don't want them to have... The, uh, the capacity to fly, even though we know they kind of had the concept of flight, they d- didn't know what to, how to do it. Is it possible that God cleansed the house then because of technology, and technology was opening up darkness? And that now, suddenly, Technology has taken over and has become God. Okay, very important that you understand that. So, so uh, when let me let me do something here. So, by that we know sin was on the ark, and the flood didn't solve the problem. Spiritual evil was on the ark. Evil was on the ark, and evil uses technology to sway people away from spiritual issues. Technological people. Not saying all, please, if, you have, if you're an engineer, if you're a scientist, you're a doctor, why is it so hard for people who have a scientific background to believe in God? Because technology has an evil side to it and can have a godly side to it. Does that make sense? Okay, so stay with me. So let's ask a hypothetical question. Could it be that all the people in the heart of God was the reason for the Tower of Babel. Remember, I've said to you for decades, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, 
You were created in the heart of God before the foundation of the world. You were in the heart of God. When you came into this world, God gave you a body, but you were in his heart in eternity. You were in eternity and you're going to eternity. Does that make sense? Could it be that God saw that technology was going to rapidly move so quickly that possibly, I'm not making a declaration, possibly that technology would come to the place that it is today from the Tower of Babel. And God knew that there needed to be some time because there were people just like you and me in the future that hadn't been brought into the world and made a savior. That God was delaying the system. I'm just sitting putting out a theory. If you have a different one, that's great. We'll hear it tonight, okay? But if you understand that there's a reason why God stopped everything, and then there's a reason why you have to speed up and look at this issue to see why the Bible is so accurate in what it depicts. So I'm going to show you something. You have your worksheet with you? Okay. Let's ask this question because um, this is about faith in a holy and divine inspired word. I want to show you something that will show you how everything in the Bible relates to today. People say, well, that was in the Old Testament, and that was Noah uh, in the ark, or that was Moses on the mountain, and God was writing with the finger. Everything in the Bible from Genesis to maps relates to our world today. None of it is outdated. Why? Because it's from Alpha and Omega. There's no end to the, to the truths of Scripture. Okay? And, and what does Paul say? Well, Paul said the people in, in the New Testament were not necessarily the church, but they were out, they were, they were making themselves busy learning some new thing. They, were, they just want to learn some new philosophy. No, no. And Paul was saying, get back to the Scriptures. Much of the church right now in America, the people, not you, but people will go to church because they want to hear something new to go, woo, okay, wow, woo-hoo, you know. Is it great? You hear something new. How does it apply to life? How does it apply to the reality that, that makes a difference in you, okay? So stay with me here. I want to show you this. This is about a holy and a divinely inspired word, okay? Now, we're going to fill this in. You got your sheet with you? You got something to write with? Okay. Now watch this. I want you to fill this in. Um, Noah lived from day one, 930 years. Okay? So that's 930. All right? Seth, his son, lived from 130 to 1,142. That's 1,012. Enos, 235 to 1140, 900 years. Canaan, 910 years. Mahaliel, 895 years. Jared, 527 years. Enoch, 325 years. Methuselah, longest living person ever, 969 years. That is absolutely mind-boggling. 
Seth, where, where you, Seth was 1,012. Hang, just hang on. That questions are later. Okay. If you, if you take 130 from 1,011 uh, and 42, it's a, okay. Have to answer the wife. If not, I'll pay later. Okay. Uh, Methuselah, 969 years. Lamech, 777 years. Lamech is Noah's father. Okay? So now watch this. Look, are you with me so far? Hang, hang on. Hang on. If I start answering questions, I'll be totally lost. Okay. So look at the first set of numbers after each name, like 130, 235, 325, 345. Okay. Now, now look at Lamech, 874, was born 874. All right? Noah's, uh, was Noah's father. Okay? The Bible tells us that Adam died, listen now, Adam died when? Okay? So watch this. Adam died in 930. Noah's father was 56. Okay? When Adam died. So Noah's father would surely and would have uh, Lamech heard directly from Noah the account. In other words, they had 50-some years for Noah, I mean Adam to sit down with Lamech and say, you want to know what happened in the garden? How would you like to have been in, in that conversation? Okay? Um, and so you begin to understand that Adam, now Adam lived 930 years. Lamech was born 879. That means in, in a 56-year period, Noah would have had a, had a chance to hear direct, directly from Adam. So when Adam, when Noah goes into the ark, he already knows God has a plan. And he's already heard about what happened in the garden, and he's already hypothetical now, because I can hear my wife going, ah, hypothetical now, that Noah was more spiritual than you dare think. That we just think of him as a, as a, as a person that, that just, a, you know, physical man, but he had a spiritual understanding of what happened in the garden because Noah wouldn't have been able to say to Lamech, hey, Lamech, you know, there was a serpent. What do you mean there was a talking serpent? Yeah, it was a demon. It was a fallen angel. And he begins to hear from Noah what happened inside the garden. So now we understand, let's finish all that, that the fact that there are no computers to put all this together. There are no computers for us to be able to calculate who's going to form that and put that together year by year by year to the point that Adam has the potential of telling Noah, get on the ark and get it right, buddy. Because there's a whole world full of people in 2023 that need to know the message of what happened in the garden, that it's viable and it relates to them.
I don't know about you, but if you took all the computers and the largest computer in the world, you couldn't put that together back then. And so in the process, watch this. Now fill in the second part. Fill these in for the notes. Adam's name means man. Seth means appointed. Enos, okay, sorry, sorry. Enos means mortal. Mortal. Canaan means sorrow. Mahelio means blessed of God. Jared, oh, oh, sorry. Blessed of God, you okay? Mahelio, right? Jared means shall defend. Enoch means teaching. Teaching. Methuselah means his death shall bring. Lamech means the despairing. And Noah means comfort. Watch what it says. Despairing. Lamech is despairing. Noah is comfort. So watch what it says now. Okay? Now watch what it says. Watch what it says. Listen up. Man appointed mortal sorrow, the blessed of God shall defend teaching his death shall bring the despairing comfort. You can't make that up. You can't make that up. When you begin to look at that, you suddenly realize this book is divinely inspired. And the history in the Old Testament is as viable as the instructions in the New. And so now when you hear somebody say again, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed, you just saw that in the genealogy. You couldn't do that with a computer. And they didn't have them. So in the process, Hebrews 9.27 says this, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after that the judgment. And so we understand that even we as believers, and we'll go to our questions and answers here because I can hear some of your gears grinding already and I see smoke coming out of your ears, okay? But if you understand, a man, Adam, appointed once mortal to die. That that was a picture of Jesus. Why does the Bible say that Jesus was the second Adam? And if you understand that Adam took obedience, where? Off the tree. Read that, Jesus comes now and puts obedience back on a tree. 
that you begin to see that there's a timeline for everything. And everything sinks together. And none of it is by mistake. And so when we look at these things, it's all to encourage you to begin to study the Scriptures and understand why that Jesus is called the second Adam. And that you understand why he had to die on a cross. And why in Psalms it says, cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. Why is it so clear that even through the Abrahamic covenant, why did Abraham, why, why was he ordered by God to sacrifice his son? Why? Because there had to be an imagery down the road that would reveal the fact that even after the, right, even after the ark, God had a plan and he delayed it. He delayed it all for a reason. Because he wanted you and I to be here. He wanted you and I to know the truth. And he wanted you and I to tell everybody else about the truth. And if you don't get anything else out of tonight, you were divinely inspired by God. You were pulled out of the other side of eternity and put into a single uh, egg in your mother's womb and with a purpose and with a divine plan, and that is to know what God's divine plan is. You just read it right there. To use you and that you're not just here to burn up enough oxygen to get in everybody else's way. That you have a purpose. And so evangelism is the goal. So again, Hebrews 9.27, and it is appointed to a man once to die, but after that the judgment. Now, Man, Adam appointed. It, it, it's not, um, how, um, let me say this. Um, enough. I, if, I go, if I go into that, I, I, won't, I won't give you enough time to talk tonight. So if you begin, you begin to look at this kind of stuff, I'm not trying to get you in, you know, technology, and I'm just trying to throw stuff out at you to stir you, to cause you to get in and start reading the Old Testament. And read the Old Testament and look at it and don't read it as a story. It's not a story. It's a statement of fact. If you read that there were giants, there were giants. If you read that there was evil, that there's a devil and he has demons and they're fallen angels, then there are demons and there are fallen angels. And that when we begin to look at stuff like this, you begin to understand why it is so important. And I'm going to say imperative that you not only be born again, but that you be filled with the Holy Spirit and pull into your life all the gifts that we've been talking about on Sunday morning, the gifts of the Spirit, the nine of those, and you viably get involved in letting the fivefold ministry minister to your life because it's about evangelism. Because one day soon, it very possibly could be that the technology that we have invented now, while Voyager is now a billion miles, and it's never going to come to the end, and Voyager will never meet the far side. Alpha and Omega. There's no beginning and there's no end. And that you begin to understand that you have a purpose and you have a goal and you have a mission in your life and your gears are grinding right now because you're thinking, oh Jesus, what am I supposed to do with this? 
Okay? No. I always... I, sometimes I can hear her thinking, okay? And it scares me. Okay, so now, you've got enough going on tonight. Um, questions, and we'll see what we can do. Uh, if you come one at a time... Rob, okay, come on. All right, I hate to go backwards, but um, last week you said a Christian cannot be possessed but can be oppressed. The Christian can be so oppressed that someone may not be able to distinguish between the two of possession or oppression. So in meditating on this over through the week, I was thinking about this and I was like, okay, so what exactly is possession? I looked up the dictionary definition. Um, it says something owned or occupied, controlled domination by something property, like I possess my house, I okay. possess the property. Okay, he is owned, okay. Um, I thought of this, so being possessed would be an internal entity that has taken control of the ship, can manipulate mind, will, and emotion of a person, can do whatever they want with them. That's how you were talking about yeah. the... The okay, worship so, leader that so was what's the like question? A what's the question? So, being that a, a believer can't be possessed, how could how could somebody how can they be influenced on the floor? Yeah. Okay, um, there's a difference between possession and oppression. Possession is control from within. Oppression is external. That's why it's oppress, come upon. People can be so influenced, Rob, by spiritual evil, oppressed. Like I said last week, I talked about the guy who did this, was a born-again Christian. They can be so oppressed, you can't tell the difference. You cannot tell the difference, whether they're oppressed or they're possessed. Because evil has gotten its hooks in them. Okay, let me give you an example. I, I know you got an understatement, hang on. Let me give you an example. Maybe this, will, maybe this will answer it. Christians can get born-again Christians, spirit-filled born-again Christians, can dabble in darkness and end up with such oppressive external. Remember, when you're possessed by the Holy Ghost, there are no co-tenants. God doesn't share apartments. Okay? Doesn't share rooms. But you can be so controlled by darkness from the outside that you end up, and Susan and I always try to use this, like a marionette, a puppet. Strings. And then the enemy just plays you. And he plays you emotionally. He plays you physically. He plays you spiritually. He doesn't own you because you're a Christian. People say, well, uh, can a Christian have a demon? They, why would they want one in the first place? But, but in the process, they can be so controlled externally, Rob, that you can't tell the difference. And that's what I was talking about last week. So go ahead. So Jesus was saying in... Um, Clean the house? Yeah. So about the seven spirits, right? So he saw when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, 
He goes through dry places, seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I'll return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other okay, spirits. Don't, don't read the whole thing. What's the question? So the question is, so here's this guy. Obviously, he's a Christian. He's yeah. been, he's, mm -hmm. he's, whatever demon was Dabbled in, in darkness. was cast out. Yeah. So the demon comes back, finds that, well, no more Holy Spirit, no more word of God. It's clean. He's full of sin. What's the question? The demon comes back. What's the question? Is a demon in somebody possession? Are they possessed by a demon? Okay, that's what I just said. A Christian can't be possessed. That's ownership. When you're possessed, you're owned. Okay? But you can be so oppressed from the outside that you can't tell the difference. So this is the major question here, the controversial one. There's this concept out there that once saved, always saved. Right. So I find all over. Okay, let me, let me you're talking about the Armenianism and Calvinism. And uh, that's a very divisive, not, not that you're being divisive, but that's a very divisive subject. Some people believe once saved, always saved. Once you're saved, you can't, you can't fail, you can't, you know. And, um, you know, some people choose to believe that, some people don't. Um, and you have to make up your mind whether you want to believe that or not, whether you, can, um, whether you can give your life to Jesus and then go live your life like hell. Okay? Um, that's the choice you can make. Um, so really, my choice on that matter is you've got to settle that between you and God. If you want to choose to believe once saved, always saved, you've just given believers a license to any, anything they want to do. Okay, well, do you think a, a believer should have the right if Ray crosses me and I walk up to him and I go, boom. Do you think I should have the right to go to heaven as a Christian? Boom. I just shot him. I've wanted to a number of times, but now I get my chance. Okay. Do, do you think I should be judged for that? Do you think I should lose my salvation for that? Be careful what you answer, because you're going to back yourself into a corner. David wasn't, right? So. Okay. So how many people how many people have chosen to go the route, once saved, always saved, you can do anything you want, and you're going to go to heaven? Why do people even argue about it? Why is it an issue? Are you looking for a license to sin? What's the point? So the answer that I give is there's really no definitive answer to that. You can't answer that. You do have to answer to the fact that you will be judged for everything you've done in your life. Okay? And the Old Testament does say, an eye for an eye. An eye for an eye. Okay? So there's no real answer to that. Okay. I love your question. Hey, Bob, Bob, Bob. Yeah, Just go let for me it. add a little. I think what Rob is asking is, is, can a person walk away from God? And are they still saved? Not are they sinning, but can a person turn their back and walk away from God and they'd still be saved? Yeah. I, I would say no. Anton LaVey is not saved. Yeah. If, if they die in sin, like, I mean, literally. Yeah, but we're all sinners. Maybe you're going to die in sin. We're all sinners. Just you showing up here tonight and the way you drove the speed limit. You're a sinner. Does that make sense? So, so you, you get into this realm where you can't solve. What's that? You, you get into this realm where you can't get answers. 
So that's why you need to go back here and there's a divine plan. What does the scripture say? The Bible says, for God so loved the world and he'll sort them out in the end. People, people ask me all the time the question, well, what about the people in the Amazon jungle that have never heard the gospel? That's above my pay grade. Here's what I can tell you. God is a just God, and he will judge them justly by how they live their life. Women, I thought you couldn't be saved without Jesus. Listen, I'm, there's, there's no way to God except through, no way to the Father except through the Son. That's what Jesus said. Well, wait a minute. What about the people in the jungle? They didn't get Jesus. A just and loving God will sort that one out. That He's big enough to figure that one out, and He's just enough to figure that out, and He's just enough to know who deserved and who doesn't. Why do we ask questions we can't get answers for, and why do we want those answers when we don't even know what all the questions are? Does that make sense? So we could argue about Calvinism or Arminianism, once saved, always, not always saved, what does it matter? Live your life for Jesus. Tell everybody everything from the housetops, and when you're stupid and do something wrong, apologize. Does that make sense? Okay. I'd like to bring up another point that may help clarify. Good. Okay, God's a three-part God, three and one. Yep. We're three parts, three and one. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? Right. So when you accept Jesus Christ, you suddenly have a new spirit. Your spirit becomes alive. Before that, your spirit is dead. Correct. The Bible confirms that. It's viable and functioning, but dead. Correct. Dead to God. Absolutely. Not non As soon as we accept Jesus Christ, it comes alive, and God looks at us as holy and justified and sanctified right now. Yep. He looks at me right now, and I'm perfect. I still sin. How can that be? The other two parts, the Bible says, are always warring against the spirit. The spirit is not involved in the sin. Okay, so what's the question? That's maybe clarifying okay. a little. Okay, let's do this then. Okay, let's do this. You, you know this. You have, a, you, have a, you have a spirit. You have a soul. You have a spirit. And you have a body. What does evil function in? Where can evil go? As a believer, what can evil attack in your life? You're born again. You you now have accepted Jesus Christ. Your soul is eternally washed and clean in the eyes of God. Can the enemy still attack you? Where? All three. All three. And people go, well, wait a minute, but I'm saved right here. Oh, yeah, really? Oh, yeah, you want to go dabble with darkness. Go dabble with darkness, and you'll end up with darkness, right? So you can lose it spiritually. You can lose, not, not lose your soul. That's the one we can't sort out. This is the one we can't determine. You cannot settle whether you're, you, you gave your life to Jesus or you didn't give your, that's God's job. When we try to sort all that out, all we do is we, the enemy distracts us from everything else we could do, which is spiritually and live our lives in the physical. Does that make sense? And so that's why when, when we understand, when you watch movies that are, that are inappropriate or we listen to music that's inappropriate, what are we doing? We're, 
Where, what do you do? Is it doing anything to your body? Well, if you're watching porn, it does. But then what happens once you watch porn or you watch something, and all of a sudden it begins to work itself spiritually, and the enemy reaches into your soul, and he begins to manipulate you. And he goes, did God really say, Eve, you would surely die? And the questions begin to come. You start doubting what God's Word says, and you begin to doubt God. Okay? Sir, go ahead. I'm going to go back towards uh, the Noah. Yeah. And so <clears throat> we were talking about the fallen angels last week. Um, now, I may have or may not have read in some text that I am not supposed to study and meditate on, but I did read it for information, uh, the Book of Enoch. Yeah. And it... it spoke of the fallen angels mm -hmm. coming in and bringing that technology and the information war making weapons such you know so on and so forth all the evil things we have in the world now came from those fallen right. angels and they were passed down through the giants including technology correct so do you believe that going back to your technology and god wiping out all the technology not necessarily wiping out all of mankind because we know he correct. didn't do that not wiping it out, but slowing it down. Right. Okay. So do you think that was his way of, of, like you said, like, hey, instead of you guys having this technology to annihilate the planet with an atomic bomb in 1200 or 900 mm -hmm. AD when it's supposed to happen in 2000 whatever or 3000 whatever. Right. Is that, is that kind of what you were saying? Absolutely. Just to kind of reiterate I don't it? remember the timeline between Noah and the Tower of Babel. But in that short period of time, technology came off the ark and ended up building buildings and moving stones that, Giants. that were tons, absolute tons. Giants. And people speculate how those stones were moved. Giants. So there was technology in there. Something. What's he doing? <laughs> Giants. 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 Well, Giants there you go. It. I mean, hey, listen. If you if you look at some of that stuff. You look at the Baalbek stone. How were they, how were they moving the Baalbek stone? You've got to look at the. If you haven't looked up the Baalbek stone, it's the obelisk, the the, the obelisk. You know the in uh, and uh, I forget how many. I think it was two thousand tons or something. There, like that. There's actually Pastor Bob. There's actually a lot of uh, History Channel. I've been watching it a lot on YouTube because right. I have a lot of spare time at work, uh, so I get paid to watch. <laughs> yeah. Confession is good for the soul. Yeah. So uh, they got a lot of information where they're scientifically proving now. Yeah. All these these stories in the Bible, yeah. stories. It's it's not they're not stories. They're historical fact, yeah. and they're, they're proving historical it. Fact. They're proving it with science. Now let it's me awesome. give you a classic spiritual example. For instance, um, the Baalbek stone and the Egyptian obelisks. There are. I'm I'm, I'm going to end up covering this again when we go down into false religions. But, but you have to understand the, the obelisks, they are a phallic symbol. And if you go back and down the road in these classes, we'll try to go through this. Why is it a phallic symbol? Where did an erect male penis come from in terms of a symbol? And if you go look at, I'm going to get myself in trouble here, if you go look at the Washington Monument and you look at how the streets in Washington, D.C. are laid out, yeah. and you'll see that 
the square, or what they call it the square, or the way the streets are laid out, they're actually laid out in the form of a casket. And if you look at the Washington Monument, which is an ancient phallic symbol, it is anatomically correct in the casket. Now that'll burn your gears out. But you begin to understand that not even America, God bless the United States of America, but there is no nation on earth that has not been infiltrated, including this one, long before Joe got in office. And you understand that there are implications of all this stuff, and it's all clear in the Bible. There is so much that we'll talk about down the road about false religions and where did they come from and, and what was the deal with Mary and why did Mary have to be a virgin and what's, the, what's this deal with Semiramis and what's this whole thing. It's incredible. You can be able to look back at the false religions of the world and you'll see how the false religions continue and attempt to intervene and bring in a male child into the world. A false male child. Oh, it's got me going now. <laughs> okay. Not political. It's not political, not political. from you? No, could be, could the be. The queen of politics, okay. 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 Uh, in the flood, um, they're mm -hmm. finding a lot of evidence. You were talking about the scientific evidence. Mm -hmm. And there are caves and, uh, you know, areas in the earth where they're finding all of these bones of animals together. Mm-hmm both prey and predator, mm -hmm. but have they found stacks of human bones? I haven't, have, have they? Because I haven't heard anything about yeah. that. And I, obviously with the flood, if it killed every yeah. living thing, yeah. then we should have. And we do not know what the, what the people were like and how they could have potentially mutated from the spiritual influence before the flood. Does that make sense? Yeah. In other words, we, we just automatically think everybody looks like us. When you go back to the giants and they had six fingers? Yes, six, yes, six, yes, six toes? Yes, okay, and you, you understand that it was a physical difference. So, And particularly with Noah's Ark, a lot of you don't probably don't know that uh, one of the, Pastor Susan and I, uh, still around once in a while, um, the, the guy who led the last uh, journey to um, Noah's Ark in Turkey to get in, they had a permit. He was in charge of security. We, we uh, know him personally. And he was in charge of security on the last trip. When they got to the ark that you can now look and see where you see the image in the dirt. Have you seen that? Yeah. You look it up. You see the image in the dirt. When they, when they revealed that they took the measurements of the image of what looks like an ark embedded in the rock and in the soil. They took it to the Bible and measured it out, and it was correct. And as soon as the Turkish government found out about it, they said, pull it. Nobody goes back. So nobody's been allowed to go back to investigate it, unless somebody recently. You know somebody recently? There's, there's been an update on that. They're, they have gone back, and they've done geographical scans uh, with with they sound, let them go with, back, really. with with ground penetrating radar, and they've found the 
yeah. I, this is making me so excited. Like the ribs yeah. of of the arc. Yeah. And they, they haven't been able to dig, but they've done it with ground penetrating radar and they've they're seeing where the arc was under the ground. Yeah. And where the soil has has Absolutely. and the reason why the wood's not there is because over the centuries people have gone and taken parts of yep. the ark with them back to wherever they came from. So now after thousands of years, there's nothing left. Now, I think it's interesting. You find out stuff like that. Why all of a sudden, why all, the, why all of a sudden is stuff like that coming out? It's coming out because I personally believe Jesus is trying to awaken the church to everything he said has and will happen because he's about to shut the thing down. It's not beyond God to say, I'm going to clean house. And if you look at the end times explanation of what happened well in, the, in the end times, it's a house cleaning. Not like the flood, but it's a house cleaning. And most Christians don't know that when we go for seven years, we'll be with him if you choose to believe that. Some of your mid-trib, some of your post-trib, some of your whatever. But when we come back, we're going to live on earth. You know, heaven is coming to earth, and you will spend eternity right here on the planet as it was intended to be and how it was warped in the book of Genesis. Most Christians think we're going to live, you know, sit on a cloud and suck lemonade. You're going to have a physical body. You're going to have the physical body that Adam and Eve had. Think about this. I'll let let you come in. Think about this. Adam and Eve were in charge of the beast of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea. How do you manage the ocean? Unless you can swim. How do you manage the birds of the air? We just, we just limit Adam to everything. Now, I know that'll burn your gears out. Oh, you say Adam was flying. I don't know. All I know is he was able to manage it all. Sir. Okay, so... Um it's it's the question is is all related to technology that they had back thousands of years ago. Yeah. So my question is is do you believe with everything that's rapidly changing in this world mm-hmm. um, we're headed towards all this technology that they probably had back thousands of years? You well, know, you can go to like the, the banking system. Yeah. Uh, med beds, you know, yeah. stuff like that. So. The Incas, they have their little plane that looks like a plane. They have some things. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think there's any limitation that when God said there is no limit to what man can do, no limit, what it means is there's no limit. So I absolutely agree with you. I so believe like that. no electricity, I mean, all this stuff is changing. Say it again. Like, uh, for instance, like uh, Tesla, it, uh, oh yeah, you know, devices with no electricity. Electricity should be free. Oh, yeah. um, if you yeah. listened, if you listen to what he's talking about, and don't I didn't say because I try to relate everything if to you, what's yeah. Going if on. you listen to Tesla, he's he's way out there, and they were talking about computers in the fifties. People are going, "What? You you are smoking me up." <laughs> but now they're beaming us up. So we think that there's no teleportation. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Let's go back to the resurrection. And Jesus walked into a physically closed room 
with a physical body. He ate, he revealed the scars, and then left. And he is the one, he, he's the human being, he's the second what? So he's moving into a room, he's moving through physical things, and he has marks on his body. Obviously, we won't have any on ours. Why is this sign? So he's the image of the firstborn, taking us back to Adam. Okay? You have any more? Uh oh. I got to share something. Well, so was Philip. If you remember, Philip did yes. something. Yeah, good point. So I just had a couple things, so I have a mic. I'm going to use it real quick. But I think, I think we can't forget that Jesus was the. Um, the, the changer of everything. And when Adam and Eve sinned and God said to them, there, there's going to come a Messiah, that was the first prophecy that, that the Messiah is coming. And if you remember, the word says that the Lamb of God was slain before the foundations of the world. And so God knew when he made us, we we're going to sin. He knew either the Spirit, the Word, or the Father was going to have to be a person and die on the cross for us. Turned out to be the Word became flesh. But that was set in motion before he even made us. So when Adam and Eve sinned and he said, there's going to be a Messiah, he's going to come in and redeem you, I think God perhaps did slow down technology just because that had to play out. If you let technology go too fast and it puts a clamp on it, you have a, a lineage of Jesus that was already set in motion that had to happen way over here. And so I've never seen, I rarely see where technology brings people closer to God. It seems like it's the opposite. And I just thought of this verse. I was sitting over there, and I'm thinking, this has been my verse for the last two years. Where's Penny? Penny and I are always talking about politics, and I always quote this verse to her. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And people that are really in technology profess themselves to be wise all the time. But I'm thinking, does it lead you to Jesus Christ? Because the Bible says you're a fool if you don't believe in God. A fool has said in his heart there is no God. So if technology is leading people away from God, and the, and the, and what was the verse I said right before that? I'm having a senior moment. <laughs> wait, wait. Profess themselves to be wise, they became as fools. I think a lot of technology does do that. I think it separates us, and I think it leads you away from the cross. And I think that's why God had to maybe slow things down. Technology, good and bad, it's how you use it. You know. So here we are, Jesus has come. I think that was the, the game changer in the whole thing. Good. Okay, now, we have a couple more minutes. I want to deal with something real quick. Gordon. I was listening to Chuck Missler. Come on up to the mic. <clears throat> yeah, and he was talking. At Come on up to the mic. I was listening to Chuck Missler, and um, he says that in Jude 14 was the first prophecy, and it was from Enoch. He said, the seventh from Adam prophesied about these men, also saying, behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints. Now, that's by Enoch. I mean, do we have any way to know the progression of the prophecies? No. Not that I'm aware of. There may be. Yeah, you can get a chronological Bible, and if you do that, that would probably help. But you have to remember in everything, when God decided to create humanity, it is an automatic assumption without proof that we were the original plan. That we were the original plan. If you read Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning God created the what? heavens and the earth. 
and they were without form and void. They became without form and void, verse 2. Something happened, we'll deal with it down the road, it was the fall of Lucifer. Lucifer falls. He's cast out of heaven. He's thrown out of heaven with one-third of the angels. Where is he sent? Right here. It's God's earth. Sent to earth. Is this his earth? No. It's man on earth. To put it back together. We won't go through that whole process. Genesis 1-1, 1-2. It was perfect. Verse 2, it's imperfect. Fall of Lucifer. That's a spiritual event. Now here's the controversy. Why is it we just automatically assume we're the only human beings that ever were in the heart of God? I'm not saying there are other people, but we just assume that because God talked about our creation that there weren't other people and that there aren't, oh, oh I'm going to leave your brain aching. There aren't other planets. I don't know. People say, people ask me all the time, do you think there are people living on other planets? It doesn't have anything to do with what I'm supposed to do on this one. Amen. And if there are other people on the planet someplace else and they're having problems, that's God's problem. I got enough of my own. Does that make sense? So if we get into speculation, all we do is end up in arguments. And you know what? Arguments don't prove anything but division. And the only thing the enemy wants to do is stir you up and get you confused. Yes, one more question. Pastor, this is probably one of those waste of time questions, but I want to ask you, do you think when the angels fell Mm -hmm. that Satan deceived those angels just like he deceived us? Oh, absolutely. That's absolutely. That's how. The- yeah, if you go back and you read go, tonight before you go to bed, you want to want to keep yourself awake tonight. Um, go read uh, Ezekiel chapter twenty-eight about the fall of Lucifer. Okay, and uh, and Eze- read I- Isaiah fourteen. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning star? How art thou cast down to earth? The word means planet. So he says to Lucifer, oh, you want to rebel? This is going to be the shortest war in history. You and one-third of your angels, you're gone. You're relegated to what? Where? Earth. But why do we just automatically think that demons and the devil are just on earth? When Paul tells us, in the, oh, I'm going to get your gears going now. Paul tells us in the book of Ephesians, there are principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness where? Heavenly places. So there's a, do what, right? I'm ratting this out, okay. So if you understand, there is so much to be learned and we'll, down the road in these classes, we'll deal with False religions, their origin, where do they come from, how do we deal with them, how do we address them, how do we associate with them. Brian, you, you had a question. Did you have a question you were going to? Nope, you didn't. Okay. So, very quickly, you have two minutes. Go to the mic. Oh, well, well, if your back hurts, don't. Okay. 
do you think there's any significance, the significance when God said, let us create man in our image? And so in the image of God, he created man. Yeah, significance? Right. Yeah, so the significance that, would be Jesus. Jesus would be the classic example of what God wanted Adam to be. What I'm saying, doesn't that imply that of all that he created, we are the only being that he created in his image? There, there is some thought that there was, I, I'm with you, there was some thought that there was man before that, but it wasn't in the image of God. That's why you have Neanderthals and all these. They didn't have an everlasting spirit and soul. And so when God came and said, let us make man, but now let's breathe Ruach into him and put yeah. God's spirit, that, it, that changed everything. Yeah, there's a lot on that. But if you look at, you see, you find um, Neanderthal or some kind of evidence they think maybe, and give evidence to it. It doesn't change who we are and what we're supposed to do. It doesn't have any effect on us because it's pure speculation and it doesn't relate to us. What relates to us is what started in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and goes to Revelation chapter 22. And everything in between is relevant to our lifestyle. Okay? I, 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 I thank you. I enjoy this. I have a good time with it. If you have any other questions... Uh, go to bed with them. Okay. Um, <laughs> let me pray with you. Okay. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the fact that we can sit down and talk about your word, Holy Spirit, so we can learn about these things and be encouraged so we can share the gospel in faith with other people, leading as many people to you, Lord Jesus, as we possibly can in this final hour. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. We love you. God bless you. Go get your kids. Yeah, there's an offering on the way out. If you could give an offering, we'd appreciate it very much. Got to pay the light bill. So thank you very much. Thank you for joining us today at DP City Church. We would love the opportunity to pray for you. And we are believing God will do big things in your life this year. You can contact us at info.dpcitychurch.com. If you'd like to give to our ministry, you can visit www.dpcitychurch.com. Thanks again. God bless.